Um, you know, like I had heroes when I were growing up and they were wrestlers and, you know, super, superheroes. I'm like, oh, so I want to look like that guy. And I think like 99.9% .9 of people that probably ever enter, enter a gym have the same two derivatives of this goal. It's like, look good and feel good. Yeah, I just want to look good and feel good. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, what can I do? I've never, ever explored bodybuilding. Um, I've never really like, you know, we say we're doing bodybuilding, but we don't really know. And like, if you want to do something and have the knowledge, you have to fully do it. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, um, I'm going to start learning about hypertrophy and hypertrophy is the process by which muscles grow. And I, I just use that time to kind of study. And I, I read some great books like the science of muscle hypertrophy by Dr. Brad Schoenfeld. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer, and I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. My friends Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie, and Kat Shear, and I, we are 40-plus Masters athletes who love the sport of CrossFit. We want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news from the Open to the Sanctionals to the CrossFit Games. We also want to share our journey to get fit and healthy using the sport of CrossFit. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a five-star rating. We are now available on YouTube at the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends Podcast and all traditional podcast platforms. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Clydesdale CrossFitter. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer and I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. Today we have Kat Shear. Hello. And Amy Radowski. Hey. And Charlie's MIA today, MIA today um, but that's kind of normal these days. Uh, he's got a lot going on in his life and we understand that, so we'll just keep moving on. So, hey, if you like what you see here, uh, we're trying to bring you a lot of good content. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit that notifier, like, hit the like button, and leave us a comment. Yeah, we always, comment. I want to know. Yeah. yeah, we like to hear from you. Um, it always gets us excited when we see there's a comment there, uh, things that you want to see, things that you like, uh, and we'll take that into account and keep moving forward. So this week, we are bringing you a, an interview with one really smart guy, uh, Dave Lipson. Uh, did a conversations with uh, tongue tied today. Dave Lipson did a conversation with us uh, from quarantine in the state of Florida, and that's not where he lives. Uh, he kind of got stuck there, uh, but he was so kind to at least get on and do a little uh, uh, podcast with us. And it's it's really intricate and technical about kind of what he's about these days. Uh, and I hope you like it. I really geeked out over it and thought it was pretty cool. Uh, so with that, we'll go to the interview and we'll come back with some news afterwards. Hey, Dave, how's it going? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing great. Welcome. Scott, I was so surprised. I thought, you know, they said, hey, you're on a podcast. And I looked and I'm like, well, there are five other people on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we love that we have lots of friends. Straight the numbers. I, exactly. 
Oh, out of the gate, we just want to say congratulations to you and Cammie um, for oh. pregnancy. And um, I understand there's a little bit of rough water with that, though, because you're not you're not home right now. Yeah, no. Well, first, like we're we're so excited. Uh, we're both so excited to you know to have Cammy pregnant. We've been trying for a while, and this has always been a dream of ours to have a family. So we're we're stoked. But yeah, like I think everyone right now is facing challenges, and one of the challenges we ran into was we kind of got caught and deferred to trying to do the the you know elect the more safer choices versus the more comfortable choices. So we're down here in Florida. Uh, we we came down at the end of February and we had a really long road trip planned um, starting here with a supplement sponsor of mine and working our way up to the Arnold Fitness Festival, going to a teaching a seminar, doing a sanctional appearance over the course of three and a half weeks. And right before we were supposed to leave this first leg, I just started kind of getting the heebie-jeebies about like leaving the country while this stuff was happening around the world. And so I said to Cam, I'm like, hey, why don't we just like, let's call our doctor and see what the doctor thinks. And the doctor was like, under no circumstance, don't get on a plane. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So we, uh, we were lucky enough to, we were up in Orlando and we were lucky enough to um, be kind of close to a place where um, I had a long professional baseball career before I was ever in CrossFit or training. And um, for years and years, my parents, they, they bought a home next to the spring training complex where the Texas Rangers were down here in Florida and they would come and they bought the home literally just to watch me in spring training every year and then they kept it as a winter home so we weren't too far from that so we came down here it's like a tiny little town really isolated just a couple old people around us um, and it's we live on a canal and uh, we said like hey let's just go down there for a week and try to see like what we need to do. I was thinking like, oh yeah, we'll post up here for a couple days and maybe drive back home or something. Um, and at that same time, things started getting pretty bad in Denver and Boulder. And um, you know, where Cammie and I live in Colorado, it's so beautiful and gorgeous. It's like super isolated, way up in the mountains. It's like exactly where you would want to be during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. However, we both have these businesses and the businesses are you know, um, internet-based businesses, and we don't get internet service because we're so high up. We're at like 10,000 feet. Like we don't get internet service up where we are. So we have offices downtown to be able to like drive down to town every work and, you know, work on all of our business stuff. But that was obviously a bad idea to be around people in a shared office space. So we just ended up staying here and we've been running like daily workouts live for our athletes and doing a tremendous amount of work here just all day sitting on the computer coaching athletes you know putting out new challenges and you know running our programs basically and uh now you know not knowing what the future holds we, we found an obstetrician down here so um i think we're just going to kind of wait and see but i think it's likely we might actually stay here uh during cam's entire pregnancy until she maybe delivers and, and who even knows after um just to make sure that, you know, she's, she's nice and safe and has everything she needs where she wouldn't, you know, potentially get sick. Cause I know like being pregnant, it's like one of those categories where the doctors really warn you like, Hey, you have a compromised immune system because your body is always trying to protect the baby. Mm -hmm. So um, we just want to play it as safe as possible, which includes me not going into a gym anymore too. So we, uh, we pretty much keep to ourselves, you know, it's funny, like we'll get a de package delivery and somebody will try to like approach the front door and I'll like leave it at the bottom of the driveway. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice that you guys have the flexibility with your businesses being internet based that you're able to do that. And Oh yeah. Like we, we're, we feel so lucky for a lot of reasons right now. One, 
we have a good safe place to stay that's pretty comfortable. Um, so, you know, in February, the end of February, when we kind of got the sense that we might be here, we went to a used equipment distributor and we bought like two grand worth of equipment. So like I have dumbbells up to 150 pounds. I got a multi-gym system in the garage. So like we were kind of almost anticipating like what if this lasts for six months, right? Yeah. And, um, and then the other thing is like, you know, the house is comfortable, but there's a canal in the back and we have a boat so we can like go out on the water and go be in nature a little bit. So it's not like some of our friends who are in Colorado who are literally locked in their apartments. And, you know, even now, like Colorado's getting like blizzards still. It's almost May and they're still getting blizzards. So um, it could be a lot worse. And, and from a business perspective, you know, I'm sure you guys know and have a lot of empathy for like all these, these gyms and these gym owners we know are under tremendous amounts of stress. Um, because, you know, their businesses are shut and landlords hopefully are understanding. But, you know, I think we were in a place before this happened where our jam has been online training at home since 2015, you know, so like, we've been doing this for a while and we, uh, we try our best to, you know, obviously we want to maintain our business, but we're trying to like help out some gyms and like give them accesses for these at-home resources and let their members do our programs for free. Or we've been running Zoom workouts for these gyms just to try to, you know, the members in CrossFit, everyone is so loyal to the gym, but at a certain point, that $200 a month bill, when a lot of people are out of work, starts to weigh on you a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I, I think from that perspective, we, we weren't as um, affected as some of our friends who sure. are all, all kind of like very worried for their business. And I think everyone's a little worried. They're a little worried for their health, a little worried for their finances. Um, and I think that that all kinds of it's bonding the whole world right now. <laughs> it's like collective fear. So before we get into sort of your background, I have to tell you this, that um, I have to say that I'm not surprised at all that Cammie is pregnant after those hot pictures that you guys posted oh, yeah. and then reposted again today. <laughs> yeah, well, so there's so many things there, but um, one of the things that Cammie and I uh, got exposure to in the past couple of years is um, the bodybuilding scene. And, you know, uh, I, I, the reason why I was doing that both personal and professional was to one, just gain experience and knowledge, but also credibility so that I could speak to both, you know, CrossFitters, CrossFitters are pretty familiar with me and I've lived in that community for a while, but bodybuilding is completely new. So my goal in the past few years has been to establish credibility in the bodybuilding community by competing and showing that like a CrossFitter can go and compete at a high level in bodybuilding. And you train like it, it's, it's so hard. It's, it's such a, um, I don't know what the way it's a real mental test, but it's just like the physical uncomfortable suffering of like dieting and preparing for the show is unlike anything I'd ever been through. So when you do that, you want to chronicle it. Like you want to make sure that you have pictures to be like, Hey, I looked like that one time. Um, so we, we got hooked up with this photographer who's so cool. Her name's Casey Cole. And she does these not like necessarily like we have we've seen fitness photographers before like in the gym like staging a barbell or something but we wanted like she has really cool lifestyle photos that at first we saw her stuff and camille and i had never taken any um photographs together like that okay. and you know like we, we have pictures of us like in a gym together but there's no pictures like of just us being a couple and loving each other and like you know, Casey's pretty creative. I mean, you can take it as far as you wanted to with her. I know she's, she specializes in naked photos, you know? Right. <laughs> so we, we still kept it pretty clean, like keeping our pants and underwear on and everything. But it was just nice to kind of show and for people to even see like that part of us beyond just the gym is like we 
are, you know, a husband and wife who are really in love with each other. And, uh, and so, yeah, we took some really cool photos. Those are the ones that you guys saw. There's other hot stuff that'll probably never come out. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into your background a little bit. Um, you, you said you were a professional baseball player. And so I take it you were with the Texas Rangers? Yeah. So I played like with, oh God, you know, I had like a long professional career and I pretty much bounced around from organization to organization across multiple levels of minor league baseball. At the end of my career, I paid, played on 13 different teams and in oh, wow. o- over 50 different cities. So, you know, like chances are when I hear a city, when somebody's like, oh, I'm from Delaware, chances are at some point in my baseball career I probably I, I played in uh Wilmington Delaware actually <laughs> you know so like um so like you, you you get a really cool sense of the country but um yeah like I'd, I'd done that circuit from the time I was a little kid I I love baseball and athletics so you know like three sports track um you know baseball a little bit of football a little bit of basketball but as you matriculate to higher levels you kind of usually end up figuring out what your sport is and towards like the middle of my high school career, the writing was on the walls. Like, you know, I was okay at these other sports, but people were really like, hey, you're, you're gonna go and play professional baseball one day. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Um, so, so yeah, that kind of, you know, happened. And, and uh, baseball was like, you know, and, and I'm sure you guys, if you guys ever played like sports before in high school or college, like, you, you know that when you play a sport from the time you're a little kid and you're good at it, at least you get to play at a higher level. So much of your identity gets wrapped up in that, that sport. Right. So like, you know, when, when someone would introduce me during that time of my life, um, you know, like, let's say I went home to Thanksgiving and we have some strangers at the house, people would introduce me as this is Dave, the baseball player, you know, and, and, um, and then one day your career ends and you're like Zoolander, um, where you walk out and you look in the puddle and you're like, who am I? You know, if I'm not a baseball player, who am I? And, uh, and you, you get to redefine yourself. And I was really blessed to find training after my baseball career, where I felt like another avenue that had the potential to, to share some gifts that God gave me, you know? So, so it was like, I just feel really blessed to have found that avenue where not only was it something that I was, I liked, but something that I could tell that I had some talent for. And, um, and then from there, I just went on to meet awesome people and mentors and, you know, get some really, um, really blessed opportunities to, to get to express it. And, you know, as you kind of go on, you keep redefining yourself and going down different avenues. But like, I always, I think like, you know, once you're an athlete, you kind of always think of yourself as an athlete. It's just like the, the difference of how you're expressing those things. Yeah. So, so, so oh. Dave Lipson 1.0 baseball player, what was your physique like in college? So, okay, so you guys would laugh, but um, when I was growing up, um, when I was younger, probably like under the age of 23, training um, or conditioning to me was like taking out the trash because it was generally used as punishment. So I was pretty gifted where I could just get by on my natural athletic ability and I could throw a ball really freaking hard and, you know, I'd show up and do that. And I really didn't need to do much else to be successful. And it wasn't until I had like a really bad injury um, and I completely torn all the ligaments and tendons in my elbow um, and I had to have it reconstructed and went through a surgery called Tommy John surgery where they kind of do a 
Frankenstein deal. They take one tendon from one part of the body and graft it into another part of the body. Um, that I really started looking at training um, because you know I could I just tell people this moment. It's a funny moment. Like I you you have the surgery and like your arm is in a sling and uh, the first four months all you're working on is being able to straighten out your arm. So it's like a dial fit system where every week you go three more degrees, right? And then you can op- you know fully open your arm and you can start training and throwing you know trying to throw a baseball and I remember the day it was like right around Thanksgiving where my mother has always been like my greatest supporter athletically like she's always been the one like making the brownies for the team and wearing all the gear and you know cheering in the stands and um and so I remember on Thanksgiving after the surgery going out to a tennis court with her um and I was supposed to start throwing a tennis ball and before this like I had I was an athlete like I could throw a ball like in 95 miles an hour before the surgery and the first time I tried to throw a tennis ball like I couldn't throw it 20 feet like I was not able to get it to my mother she was throwing harder than me at the tennis ball and uh and it was like this this moment where something clicked where I was like oh shit like I can't just get by on my arm anymore like if my arm is going to be the weak link then I'll have to figure out a way to compensate for it with my body and I made the decision that I was going to make myself the biggest strongest player in the whole league that next year and I was 185 pounds and within the year, I'd gone from 185 to 225. And it was it was a process of like learning. Like I said, like I never really trained before. I just kind of like avoided it like it was like chores. And, um, and you know, I would drive, at that time I was living in Rhode Island and I would drive three hours every Monday to uh, my physical therapist at the Hospital for Special Surgery, which is a cool hospital where, you know, if you need any type of special surgery or if you're a high level athlete and you need like an ACL or a shoulder reconstruction or elbow reconstruction, this is where the professional athletes go. And um, I would drive all the way down there just to go to my physical therapist so he could show me how to lift. And we were literally like on these like Cybex machines and he's like, okay, you're going to do chest press and you're going to do leg extension and you're going to do a pull down. And, you know, it kind of started there and, you know, being untrained and kind of being motivated too. you know, within a few months I could put like the bottom pin on those machines. And then I went and, you know, coordinated with a strength coach and learned how to lift with like compound lifts and deadlifts and back squats. And when I returned to the season the next year, um, I was like, I was the biggest kid on the team and everyone gave me a lot of flack because they said, you don't look like a baseball player anymore. You look like a professional wrestler or a football player or something. And, you know, I got what they were saying, but at the same time, this was in college, you know, I would always bring up like, you know, major leaguers, they, they, they look like major leaguers, like they look like, like Greek gods, like those guys that we want to be like, they have this physicality. So why wouldn't I want to have it now? Because form follows function right and I was hoping that function in this case would follow form and luckily I was right like I came back and I was a you know a a much much bigger and stronger and I could throw harder and I had a great season but the thing that really got me the opportunity in professional baseball was my physicality because on the field you could basically look at all these skinny baseball players and look like a men amongst boys and scouts would recognize that and the fact that you had those skills that could match up and project at the next level gave me an opportunity to go and start a career and um, as I you know got into professional baseball one of the things that I continue to do is like I just love the idea of training and you know getting the most out of my talent because there are so many people in professional sports that are equally talented you know no one in in professional sports is not a good athlete um, but you know you can separate yourself by um, you know putting the extra work in or, or you know 
basically maximizing your athletic ability by, um, you know, by, by working on your physical body. And a lot of my teammates in, you know, through, through the years of professional baseball, they, they would see me and they would be like, Hey, I want to train with you, Dave. Uh, and so I would take him to the gym and I would just kind of show him what I was doing, but I was not a trainer. I, I had no idea how to train people. I was like, yeah, I'm doing French press. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And, uh, and you know, it was a natural progression out of that leaving professional sports years later and going into training. You know, I, I went and you, you go to get your first job and it's terrifying. He's like, I'm going to sit at a desk and what am I going to do? Like be a banker at Wells Fargo and, and, uh, and the idea of like training, like, oh, yeah, I could totally show somebody how to train. And uh, just like anything else, you know, like you start off as like a very bad trainer before you can be okay, before you can be good, before you can be very good, before you can be great. And I've, you know, been through most of those steps, at least the first ones of being pretty bad. Um, you know, I remember my first job at like uh, New York Sports Club and uh, it was terrible. They would make you like pick up weights and then you had to try to solicit people to train with you. And I hated that. I hate the idea of like soliciting somebody. I never got a single client be like trying to solicit someone to train with me, but I did get clients by like in my training session, I would see somebody looking at me and I would be like, Hey, come train with me. And that's how I got, and that's how I still get clients. You know, I'm like, yeah, like this is our training. Who wants to join me? And it's like a big bro session. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the transition from pro sports into training. And then you took a trip to California and went out to Aromas to check out the CrossFit games. I've heard you tell that story. It's amazing. Oh, it's so funny. Like, um, I, I had gone through a, well, my, my first, my first real job in training, like I got this job at like New York sports club and it immediately, I just tell like, it just kind of sucked because I wasn't learning anything. And I had a friend, uh, that I was my trainer that would kind of help me prepare for each, each, um, spring training camp. He ran like a sports specific, uh, you know, athletic development, uh, clinic, and he moved up to the Northeast where I was from. And so I was like, Hey, um, you know, can you help me uh, prepare my resume? I studied for a big course called the NSCA CSES. So he was kind of teaching me. He's a really smart dude. He's like a PhD in exercise science. And he was helping me prepare for these interviews. And he was like, hey, man, why don't you just come work with me? And I'm like, okay. And so, you know, I remember working with him and it was like literally reminded me like a like a, like a Kung Fu master because, you know, the first day I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a trainer. I'm going to train people. And he's like, you're not ready. You're not, you're not ready. You're terrible. And he's like, yeah, but I took this certification. He took it. He's like, I'm going to wipe my butt with this certification. It means nothing. Like the only thing that it means is experience and knowledge. So what you're going to do is you're going to watch me train people. And then every once in a while, I'm going to let you step in and, and try to emulate what I'm doing. And that's how I really started to learn how to train somebody. Um, so Fast forward, I get this job in New York with like this gym. It's a ridiculous gym where all it's all celebrities and actors and actresses. It's like a crazy place. And um, I was training there and one of the trainers who was doing it, she was a former pro bodybuilder and she was a, also a gymnast and she wanted to do the strength training with me, but she, she kind of found this workout online called um, CrossFit, right? And so we pull a workout and we do it together and be like, oh, it was cool. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, and we, after a while, just being unfamiliar with the movements and stuff, we came up to the conclusion that like, we have to find, there's actually like these things called affiliates where there are coaches that just teach this. Cause I thought it was just this online thing. Um, so we found an affiliate in the, the shadiest place of New York city. It's like the fashion district in this beat up building on like the fifth floor with holes in the wall. I called it CrossFit hepatitis cause it's like blood and nails coming out. And, um, 
and we do this workout and it was awesome. Right. And at the end of the workout, the trainer is like, um, Oh, you guys are great. You should try to do the CrossFit games. And I'm like, what's that? And he kind of explained it to me. And I'm like, that's cool, man. But like, Hey dude, I'm a professional athlete. Like I'm not trying to be the best at exercising. Like that's, that just sounded so silly to me. Like, no, no. Like that's, I want to, you know, train celebs and athletes and be an athlete myself. And I didn't even think it was a thing. And I didn't give it a second thought until later that year. Uh, my birthday, I kind of gifted myself a trip out to California to go visit some old teammates and my cousin. Um, and yeah, I was like just doing a road trip just to kind of hang out in California. And as I was driving up, I remembered that, you know, they said like, oh, there's this CrossFit Games thing there happening. And I was like, all right, I'll look it up. And it just so happened like I was free that weekend. I didn't have any plans. So I drove up from LA all the way up to Aromas to go check it out. And it was so surprising to me because I thought it was going to be like a legit event. And it was like, I wasn't sure if I was in the right place. I was like, it's like going to like, you think you're going to like the CrossFit world championship. You're like, okay. And you're on a dirt road and you're like, is this like the backyard wrestling world championship? Like, what am I looking at here? And uh, it was cool. Like I, it, it was Dave's ranch and uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was cool to kind of see the beautiful scenery around that part of California. Um, but it turns into like a dirt road. And then I saw all these cars parked on the hill. And the first thing I noticed was there were a bunch of like Hummers um, with affiliate logos on them. And I remember thinking, how the hell do these trainers avoid Hummers? Like, how is this possible? Like a trainer hustles to make a hundred grand a year. How are you driving around a Hummer? You know, it just didn't make sense to me. So that was kind of interesting. And you walk up to the front gate and there's just like a lady there who's like, hey, how you doing? Are you a spectator or are you a competitor? And I took a pause and I was like, wow, that's probably the deepest question anybody's ever asked me. Because it's like, am I a spectator or am I a competitor? I'm like, well, no, I'm a competitor. <laughs> like, I'm not here to watch, you know? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll jump in. And you guys are, I could see people doing jumping jacks, you know, in the background or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, it's okay, I'll do it. Um, so it was funny, like, you could go and uh, you could you could pick what heat you wanted to compete at. You could, um, you could select what time you wanted to go or what workout you wanted. It was like, five, you know, four or five workouts in the whole weekend. You just got to schedule them at your own discretion. And... Um, it, you know, it was just, that was really the first time I ever did CrossFit was at the CrossFit Games. And it was so weird to me, like, you know, they had this like chest bar fran, like I was doing strict chest bar, I'd never done a kipping pull up before, and like tore my hands to smithereens, like run as fast as you can up a hill and back down for a quarter mile and do this thing with like deadlifts and burpees and then this heavy, not what was called heavy um, grace, right, <laughs> with, uh, with 155 pounds. And, um, and that was cool, you know, like I, enjoy, I really enjoyed the training that weekend, but what I enjoyed the most was um, I was amongst a group of trainers who I looked at them uh, and I could see like a lot of myself in them. Like they were all former athletes. They all loved training. They were all competitive and they were a team, like they were a community. And I grew up on a team, like I'd never been without a team. And so, you know, it just so happened that I, I became friendly with Dave and he took me out to dinner with Coach Glassman and Coach Bergner. And the first time I went out to dinner with those guys, I didn't, I didn't think Coach Glassman was Coach Glassman. I actually thought Coach Bergner was Coach Glassman because everyone was calling Coach Bergner, you know, coach. And coach. he had this really, me looked like a coach, you know, he's wearing like a military outfit. And I'm like, oh yeah, that must be the guy who like came up with this stuff and greg i was like is who's this guy is he like the it guy like what is this <laughs> like uh, and yeah. uh, and then and then there was other guy mark rip
Ripito who was hanging out with us and he was just rambling on and on. I'm like, well, this guy's completely nuts. And, you know, like, I was just like, you know, just it, the personalities were awesome. But it's the kind of thing where like you go back to New York City and it, it's the seed that if you nurture it, it can grow into this whole thing. And, and that for me was like a huge moment because if I hadn't gone there, I don't know if I'd ever would have, eh, maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't. But it was like the thing that kind of got me intrigued enough to come back and like, hey, I want to learn more. I'm going to start going to this affiliate. I'm going to take a level and course. And even the trainers around me, like they were watching me practice these kipping pull-ups with my hands that were like all torn up from the games. And they were like, what are you doing? Like, are you stupid? Why would you try to do that with your hands all torn? I'm like, it's crossfit. You wouldn't understand. Like, you know, like, is this? It was a, a counterculture thing. You know, we, I found a crossfit affiliate in New York City that was in the basement of a church, and it was like Fight Club. But, but I learned the movements, and I just started to understand the program. And the more I understood it, and kind of saw its utility and effect, the more I wanted to do it with my clients. And the more I started getting kicked out of gyms trying to do it with my clients. So, at a certain point, like I. I kind of had to become my own business. And so I was like an independent trainer in New York, training one-on-one -on -one clients, kind of doing the CrossFit method with them, you know, hybrid with some of the other stuff that I found utility in. And, um, and that it just kind of went from there. And when you start doing this and sharing it with other people, you know, one of my best friends in New York was this girl named Denise. And, um, and I started doing CrossFit with her and I was showing it to her and then she would come to the courses with me. And as we started kind of going through that process, we actually were on the same trajectory where like we took our level one and level two and then they asked us to intern on staff and then we got on staff and we, you know, spent years and years. And now Denise has been a flow master on staff for like, you know, seven years or something. Um, but we, you know, we kind of started in the same place with just like the intrigue and uh, like we had found something really new and cool. So what got you into being a member of the seminar staff? So, you know, it, it really was something where, um, the the seminar when i took the seminar i was very intrigued by the trainers um because it wasn't like the information they were delivering like the information was great but they had awesome personalities like they were fun they were entertaining they were funny they could lecture um and um and they had what i saw is like oh yeah i could totally see myself being one of those guys because i was media trained through sports and i'd done stuff on tv with fitness where i was like a fitness personality guy and and um, uh, nbc on a show called fitness in the city with dave so it was part of a subsidiary of a show like a, a variety show called lx tv where they would play it in cabs and stuff and i would be a spokesperson they taught me how to do the you know presentation stuff or public speaking basically and so i was like oh yeah i could i could do that and um, I also at the same time started doing videos of me lifting and um, Dave who I was friendly with would like send me a workout and he'd be like what do you think you can do for this I'm like I don't know I'll do it and I'd film it and send it to him and he they would post it on the CrossFit main site and then you know I, uh, one of my friends who I had done some strength training with Rob Orlando you know, he, he was doing strongman competitions and seeing some of the stuff I was doing. And I was like, Hey Rob, like you would totally crush this. Why don't you do it? And he started sending in videos. So we both started to become kind of popular as athletes online by posting these videos of us doing CrossFit workouts, but like heavier. And I think um, that popularity helped us like kind of get into a position where 
Dave said, hey, you know, why don't you try going on staff? We'd love to have you on staff. All these people are interested in what you're doing. You would fit in great. And so he offered an internship. And then you go through this pretty rigorous process, which is a really hard process to get on staff. Like, uh, you know, I think people think it's just a kind of thing where you, you wear a red shirt and try to look cool. But there's, there's actually, um, you know, a lot of development that it takes to be able to establish the, the training system, the vernacular, the knowledge of the, the content and everything like that. So you know, my first internship on staff, they were like, hey, I don't think you're ready for this. Why don't you come back in a year? And I, I called Dave and I'm like, put me on the books for two weeks from today. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> two weeks. And like, they're like, oh, because I, I learned quick, right? I know that. So I'm like, let me, let me try again. So I came back two weeks later and they were like, great. And it took a couple internships and then I was on. And then you kind of start learning the content and getting familiar and you you teach people in the small groups just the movements and it, it like it's it's very much a cookie cutter system that the staff uses to teach these movements it's like by the books or or you know like uh, uh color by number right and yeah. um and then when you listen to enough lectures and you study they're like okay why don't you try to give this lecture like give the lecture on the push press or give the lecture on the air squat give the lecture on what is crossfit and so you you kind of continue to add on to your repertoire once you've given the lecture a certain number of times and they'll give you another lecture so you know over the course of the 10 years I taught on staff I mean I'd given the same lectures hundreds of times yeah. <laughs> like I could literally so memorized in my head that I'm like oh man and, and it's cool because like you know when you give it like you 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 gain like a deeper understanding of what you're saying the more you, you talk about it, the more you see it, it, it's kind of like it becomes, it makes that evolution from information to knowledge, right? So it's like, yeah. it's not just something I said, but it's something I'm doing every week or seeing in the people. So, you know, that kind of occurs slowly over time. Um, but at a certain point, you know, you're like, you, you kind of, uh, I, think, I think the seminar is great. The information is amazing. But at a certain point, you kind of start having your own ideas and you develop your own conclusions of what you think is best or how to explain things. Like these, these are basically Greg Glassman's words that people are repeating uh, every seminar. So I think like as trainers, it's natural to, um, to start to learn more and to, to kind of come up with your own thing, right? I mean, it doesn't make sense just to limit yourself to, um, you know, being, being somebody that just repeats someone else's information, but maybe as you evolve and learn, you start, um, you know, creating your own content. And is, was that the birth of Thunderbro? Not, not really. You know, like uh, I had kind of started like uh, with Camille, we had done stuff. We had done some like courses together where we called it like a Dave and Cammie uh, Cam camp. So we had done our own camps. We had done our own online programs. Um, Thunder was something completely different that was just born out of necessity for what was happening to me as an athlete. Um, because after years of like competing in CrossFit, um, and, and trying to compete like a CrossFit Games athlete, I'd hit a point where I was really just not in a good place physically or, or emotionally, right? I was kind of, you know, just getting peer pressured into other people's goals and other people's methods of training. And it really wasn't helping me. So, you know, the, the, the short story of it is like, I, I developed some really bad back issues. Um, and the issues were really common. It's like degenerative disc stuff where discs start to, you know, uh, crunch down and, and deteriorate a little bit, but I'd accrued like a number of these. Yeah, we're in the masters. We, we all know about the, the back exactly. issues. <laughs> you know, you guys have all been there, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. so, you know, I, I had kind of gone through this process where let's say 
I'd do CrossFit and I'd hurt myself. So I'd stop and I'd try to rehab my back and then I'd go back and I'd hurt myself. So I'd stop and then I started feeling bad that I couldn't do what I used to do and I'm never going to be able to compete with the games athletes and I'm surrounded and I live with the games athlete. And uh, that's what people gave me a lot of attention for is like being a big, strong guy. And, um, and so it got to the point where like I couldn't train at all and I was starting to actually lose function in my leg. Like I had nerve damage where I was losing feeling in my left leg and having to, you know, it got really scary at that point where I'm like, man, if I'm this bad at 34 years old, what's this going to look like at 44 and 54 and 64, right? If I get to like not have a leg, you know? Um, so, uh, so I came to the conclusion that the first thing I need to do was just stop what I was doing with training, like stop those pain triggers, which for me are the common triggers or things like um, load, like really heavy load and speed. When you start moving so fast that you're losing position or you're moving really ballistically, like I need to get those out of the program. Um, the complex things like the squat snatches, the muscle ups, like I've got a torn rotator cuff, a torn bicep tendon, a really shitty back where like whipping myself around is a terrible fucking idea. So I'm like, I'm going to get rid of that stuff and I'm I'm going to just let the CrossFit conditioning be the conditioning. I'll practice the movements. I'll, you know, do that. But uh, me being myself, um, you know, I, I, I had surgery. I was lucky. I had to go to like number of surgeons to find the right surgeon that said like, Hey, I can fix you without someone who's like, you're just never going to train again. That, Cause that's what I was just being told. Be like, we'll just stop training. Like you could just live a life and not train. Like that's not an option for me. Um, and I had the surgery. It was incredibly painful. They drilled holes in my spine uh, to make room for some nerves. They tried to repair some discs and, uh, and just did a bunch of stuff. And I was about two weeks on the couch and um, for me, it was the moment where I was just completely still and I got time to think like, what do I want from this? Like, you know, like I'm, one day I'm going to have a new life. Like I'm going to be able to train again. And when I have that new life, how do I want to use it? And, and it brought me back to like, what is my original why? Like, why would I ever go in the gym? What's, what's my reason for being here? And it just brought me back to like me, 15 year old Dave in high school, like in front of the first time we were in the weight room and you grab some, some, some dumbbells and like whatever, you start doing some bicep curls, like I want big arms, I want to get chicks. And I'm like, oh, that's why, because I want to look good. That's why I want to train because I want to look good. Like, yeah, I want to be functional. I want to be strong. I want to be athletic. But the biggest thing I want is I want to look good. I want to have imposing physicality. Um, you know, like I had heroes when I were growing up and they were wrestlers and, you know, super, superheroes. I'm like, oh, so I want to look like that guy. And I think like 99.9% .9 of people that probably ever enter, enter a gym have the same two derivatives of this goal. It's like look good and feel good. Yeah, I just want to look good and feel good. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, what can I do? I've never, ever explored bodybuilding. Um, I've never really like, you know, we say we're doing bodybuilding, but we don't really know. And like, if you want to do something and have the knowledge, you have to fully do it. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, um, I'm going to start learning about hypertrophy and hypertrophy is the process by which muscles grow. And I, I just use that time to kind of study. And I, I read some great books like the science of muscle hypertrophy by Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, uh, a number, a number of different books and people who were really smart in the field, just from like the academic perspective. And I just wanted to understand the mechanisms, like the anatomy of a muscle fiber. What are the adaptations that take place when a muscle fiber gets bigger? How do you get those adaptations? What are the mechanisms that correlate with that and the training factors that that look like in the gym? And I was lucky enough to actually get on the phone with Dr. Schoenfeld and have some really long, awesome conversations. And I said, okay, I think I understand the, the methods. Now, how can I kind of combine that with CrossFit? Because 
you know, one of the things that you, you can kind of tell about bodybuilders, the kind of the, the, uh, the double-edged sword here is like, if you just do bodybuilding, if you don't do anything else, you, you, you may develop some aesthetics, but in some ways you're just a display model only because you're not working on the application of that fitness or the scope of your training is so narrow that you're not really going to be fit and versatile. And I love the idea of fitness and longevity and health and just being like the ultimate athlete, right? That can do a bunch of things. So, you know, my, my goal was to maybe start to think of ways to bridge the gap between bodybuilding and hypertrophy work and CrossFit. And I just started using Using myself as my own laboratory um, and I started messing around at first um, I just designed a program for myself um, that now we we coined as like the 90-day get huge program but it was a system where we do eight sets of eight reps with a three-second negative so that's a slow eccentric down and a 30-second rest and um, I chose to do it with, instead of machines, to, to do it with like things like barbells and dumbbells or things you could commonly find in a CrossFit gym um, with movements that were maybe a little bit more compound. The cool thing here about this program that was really attractive to me after back surgery was that I was able to elicit a, a hypertrophic effect without load or speed. So I knew those two things were the triggers. So with like 40% of my one rep max, I could still, you know, uh, develop musculature and size. And because things were slow, everything was nice and controlled. I could really secure my back and be in a strong position. And I think, you know, if you guys have been through surgery before, especially back surgery, it really does a number on your body because, um, one, because of the anesthesia. So it, it fucks up your digestion. You really don't, you get constipated. And, and when you have back surgery, like you have to have somebody like stand you up and help you pee. And everything like mm -hmm. it's terrible. Um, and you don't have any appetite, right? Because you're all fucked up on the, uh, on the painkillers and things yeah. like that. And then you're not moving at all because you're like basically lying down for two weeks. So, you know, when I went into surgery, I was, you know, 200 and, you know, maybe 10 pounds and I dipped all the way down into like the 195s. I know for some people that might not seem that much, but for me, that's like the lightest I've ever been. So my goal was to like put some muscle back on. So I used this system um, in the course of, of three months just to see what I could accumulate back. And I was able to go from 195 to 225 in those three months. So I was during like, that time, did you do anything like cardiovascularly? So what I would do is like the first thing I was allowed to do was like the elliptical, right? So yeah. I first I would be like, and, and you know, like the part of coming off of surgery is setting achievable goals. Like my goal day one after surgery wasn't to back squat 500 pounds. It was literally to just be able to like walk a hundred feet. And I, there's a picture of me in the walker, like walking up my driveway and then doing some dips on my, my walker and then like coming back down. So like, you know, and, and then as you progress, as you're allowed to do a little bit more, you can incorporate other things. But the program that I wrote for myself was like, it was really robust in that, you know, you, you do, you do eight sets of eight reps for each movement, right? So that's 64 reps each movement and you do eight movements total, right? Every day. So that's like over 500 repetitions yeah. and the whole thing, you're not really resting that much. Like you're doing eight sets with a three, uh, eight reps with a three second negative down and then you rest for 30 seconds and then you're going again. So there is like, um, my heart rate is high the whole time for about okay. 90 minutes. So there's no real reason to do that. And it was only three days a week because that's all I could train. I was okay. only allowed and that allowed me to kind of recover um, but to me, that was a huge eye opener where I was like, Hey, there's something here that I think a lot of people could benefit from whether you're coming off a of surgery or dealing with an injury, because, you know, it allowed me to feel successful, but not get hurt. 
Um, and then I started looking at like all different types of ways to maybe combine the methods with CrossFit, like whether it's doing things that are like hypertrophy finishers or a hybrid program where half the day is, you know, hypertrophy work and the other half is maybe some CrossFit. Um, and I brought it to, um, well, Dave and Nicole, who are the directors of training um, at CrossFit, they approached Cami and I in, uh, in one of our trainer summits. I think this is like 2017 or sometime around there. And they said, hey, we want you guys to design a course for CrossFit, like a specialty course. And I was like, oh, perfect. I got it. CrossFit hypertrophy. I, it'll be freaking awesome. Like I've got the methods. I'm already doing it. I've got all the science. Like I, it'll be a totally awesome baller course. And it got shot down immediately. They literally didn't even get the words out before they shot it down. They're like, what do you mean? Bicep curls and CrossFit? No, no, no. I'm like, no, that's not it. There are these mechanisms. There's mechanical loading and muscle micro tearing and time under tension and metabolic stress. And you can manipulate the movements and the, you know, so you can still do the functional movements. And they just weren't getting it. Um, and I said, hey, uh, why, don't I, why don't I just write a journal article about it? Uh, so I, I started writing about the process of hypertrophy and it was a paper that I termed hypertrophy for functional fitness. And the subtitle is like bridging the gap between performance and aesthetics. And it basically is one long argument arguing for hy more hypertrophy training for athletes that are injured or that want to increase their performance or that are interested in pursuing aesthetics, whether it be, you know, orthopedic function or, you know, increasing someone's contractile potential or just giving somebody the aesthetics that they want through the, you know, still using CrossFit. And it went from like a couple pages and the more I started writing about it, there's so many layers to this, it became longer and it ended up being this 100 page, I don't even call it an article, it's a book. And I called him back, I was like, hey, this is, I got a hundred pages, it's probably like a five or a six part series. And I, I was talking to the director of the CrossFit Journal and I said, hey, uh, if I give you guys this article, would you own it? Because I had put like six months into it. And they said, yeah, if you give it to us, we, own, we technically own it. And I said, well, forget that. I'm going to put it out myself. And that's where I started the Thunderbro site. Uh, you know, because I was like, I want a place to put this, this book out. And so I, I just got a Shopify website. And the idea of Thunderbro is like just that journey that I took from like going someone who was defeated to someone who just wanted to bring thunder and like, you know, just try to be awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and that book was that that's the title of that book, Hypertrophy for Functional Fitness. And it's a theory text. And then along with it, we launched that program that I used, the 90 Day Get Huge program. And I didn't think I was like. I was actually really nervous. I did this project with my partner or somebody who was, he was really excited about it too. And I said, Hey, do you want to go in on this together? We'll put a couple thousand bucks in. I think we put like $3,000 into the website and to produce the books and to make like a t-shirt or something. And I remember the first day I'm like, Oh man, I'm so nervous. I, I really hope we make our money back. You know, like I really, I really hope that, that people, you know, this isn't a huge waste because my buddy was a gym owner. He got in his own pocket and everything like that. And I'm like, I just want people to have this info. And we made it back in the first hour. And I was oh like, Holy shit. like people <laughs> are really hungry for this. Like, I was like, Holy cow. And that just evolved into a bunch of different, different programs, you know, like, getting now and, and exploring the bodybuilding space as a competitor, you know, like I, I have learned so much. The first time I walked into the gym that I train at, they look at you really weird when you tell them you're a CrossFitter. So I walked in like, you know, like a, a regular jerk and I was like, Hey, my name's Dave and I'm a CrossFitter and I want to compete in bodybuilding. And they're like, okay, kid, like good luck, pal. 
And, um, and you know, I think that the people in the bodybuilding world are really impressed by CrossFitters by how hard they work and how committed they are. Like we're used to like grinding, like we're not afraid to work hard. And so, you know, in six months I went and I won my first show. Um, and then I, after winning, I was like, I got to learn more. So I actually got a trainer who's an amazing trainer. He trains like a ton of IFBB pros. And I learned a lot of uh, new different types of training methods that were so cool and complex and different that I was like, man, I got to give like cr CrossFitters exposure to these methods because they're awesome. They're kick ass. And so we started a program called Muscle Anarchy where we incorporate advanced bodybuilding concepts with functional movements done with like a barbell or a set of dumbbells. And we kind of tacked that on with like a little CrossFit workout and some extra stuff from here and there. And that became now, that's like our, our biggest program. We have thousands of athletes in that program now. But that was just for me wanting to share these things that I was learning from these really elite trainers in a completely different place. Um, and, uh, and, you know, after competing now in a few shows, I'm not going to do this year because uh, I don't want to go. We're supposed to do the, the biggest show in America is called USA Nationals. And I was supposed to compete in that one in July, but it's obviously we're not going to go because of the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, but like you learn so much about diet, um, about the process of, of, of cutting um, within the context of aesthetics. And um, th there are so many things that we've kind of branched off into that we have like a Thundercuts program, which is the diet plus the training and, um, uh, you know, nutrition coaching and all these things. And I think the most exciting thing to me was like learning new things and, and now figure out like if I'm like a painter and I've got like painting a canvas, like I've got all these new colors I can play with now, which are cool. Cause I love especially like athletes, whether they're CrossFitters or they've never done this before. They, it's really cool to give them exposure to something new that's effective. So as a handle. So on my, on, on my count from your website, I think I counted seven programs that you have available now. Yeah, we, I mean, we have a lot, some of them are books uh, and some of them are live programs and, and, the, they all kind of evolve organically based on the feedback we get. So, um, for instance, uh, you know, I was, I was doing these, uh, I was on the road teaching seminars and um, I would take like a buddy of mine and I'd be like, hey, let's go down to the hotel gym and do a workout. And we do a CrossFit workout and then, I, and then I would come up with some kind of like hypertrophy finisher. And sometimes I would film it and post it and be like, hey, try this crazy, like terrible complex with like dumbbells or bands or whatever. And people became really interested in that. And I thought, well, why don't I just create an inventory of like a hundred of them? And so we came up with this book called The 100 Hypertrophy Finishers That Crush, which are all short, like 10 minute workouts that you can do maybe after your CrossFit workout or you could put three of them together for maybe like a short workout if you're in a hotel, but none of it's really over like 50 pounds or anything like that. And it's an index that's all organized by body part, by movement function that are just great ways. Like if you're a gym owner, you can flip through that and go like, Hey, we're going to do this at the end of my class. And then Jim started tagging us in their stuff, like doing our, our finishers at the end of class. Um, another one that kind of came up organically was like the, the shredded at home program where people were like, Hey, I, I, I'm just at home. I just have a set of dumbbells. I don't have that much time. I think a lot of people are in that boat, especially who have careers and kids and stuff that we basically condensed what, what is a much larger robust program into just like the meat and potatoes of like, here's a 30, 40 minute workout with dumbbells only where you get some conditioning and some hypertrophy and you kind of hit it and quit it. Um, and then uh, the Thundercuts thing was literally like, you know, I'd, I'd learned so much about, about uh, fat loss and cutting just for cutting for these shows that I wanted to share that system. And I said, why don't we provide 
a nutrition framework, a system that includes like a nutrient timing schedule and how to calculate your calories and how to progress. One of the things that we do is we do these dietary rotations where you start to rotate, you know, let's say it's, it's cutting, it would be a caloric deficit, but it would be rotating lower days with higher days or either working uh, in a deficit where, you know, you're, you're introducing refeed days or extra deficit days over the course of a longer period of time where calories kind of progressively move down along with increasing the training frequency so you can kind of keep pushing the body fat down or even the way that we preserve muscle mass by balancing anabolic signals like feeding around heavy lifting with catabolic signals where you're doing cardio in a mostly fasted state. We put that and package it all into one book and we said, hey, here's the Thundercuts book. And originally we we're like, we'll see if people have success with it. And we launched it uh, as a book. Well, first we launched it as a challenge. And I was so surprised. This is like a nine-week nine week program. And we launched it as a challenge. And I'm like, all right, we'll see how people do. And we had people, some people lost like 30 pounds using yeah. the system. And I was like, holy cow. And, and uh, one of the hard things about you know, new athletes, because we're always trying to bring new athletes into our program, is like nine weeks is a lot of time to commit to. So we took that same system and we tried to market it as just a 30-day challenge. So now we have like the 30-day shred, which is the same system, but it's just like, you know, people are competing for cash for the biggest body transformation. Um, oh, I'm losing my headphones. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this stuff all kind of like evolves organically yeah. based on like what, what people seem to be interested in and I don't know. We, I don't know what the next thing is. Like people, people are now, I'm hearing things like people want to do like a get huge challenge. Right. So they want like, what's the, you know, maybe that challenge where it's all centered around the nutrition and training for putting on muscle mass to see who can pack on the most size. And we have some of our athletes that, um, that are older that are interested in heading up like a master's program of Thunder Bro, like Thunder Bro Masters. In fact, one of the guys who was interested in doing that, did you guys ever watch gladiators before? On uh, oh Yeah. Okay, so Nitro from Gladiator. Oh, yeah. So wants to be our spokesperson for like Third Row Masters. So, um, so yeah, like it, it's kind of taking its own life in some ways, but the core message is still the same. It's like just finding ways to blend the gap between performance and aesthetics and, and, and bringing new ideas into CrossFit so that people can, you know, just it's simple. Like just, I just want to train and look good and not be hurt. That's, that's it. <laughs> it's nothing complicated. So one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on was a little bit selfish. Um, I just turned 50. Um, I, I used to weigh over 500 pounds. I lost over 200 um, doing CrossFit, but my, my back has given out yep. um, a couple times on me and I'm frustrated with the constant injuries. And so what program would I reach for to try to, to get back to something more stable? So I think like what's valuable is just to kind of, view the injury process from a broader perspective like if you're injured let's say you have a shitty shoulder or a bad back or a bad knee the first thing you want to do is remove the pain triggers and unfortunately what people do is they just say oh my back's hurt I'm gonna rest and they go back to doing what they were doing before um, and that kind of puts them on this uh, almost like a Ferris wheel, right? <laughs> You're just going around and around uh, in the same journey. Like I hurt my back, I rested, I hurt it again. And unfortunately, the biggest precursor for a back injury is a previous back injury because the way the discs in the back work is there are these fibrous discs um, that are, they're, they're called the annulus of the disc. And they're just like fibers in a shirt. And if you can imagine, when you get a, a tear in a, in a fiber, you like went back and forth like this on your shirt, those fibers would start to become loose, 
right? And generally from in the perspective of the back, they're becoming loose because you're, you're losing spinal position under some weight, okay? And so they, they have the ability to almost delaminate, okay? And, and become loose. So the best thing to do is actually to, to let them, give them some time to heal and recover and create those adhesions again so that the disc has a little bit more integrity, which usually means stopping the lifting or stopping the compressive loading on the spine. Um, that, that would probably be the first thing. It's usually it's like the bending. The bending is usually what, where people get the triggers for, you know, some kind of hip hinge is where they usually get the triggers. And if it's a bend with a twist, that's even worse because now you're, you're, you're creating slack in those fibers where they can actually have a more propensity to delaminate like that. So um, first remove those movements that, that you know are triggers. So like, let's say if, if your shoulder hurts when you're bench pressing the straight bar, stop bench pressing the straight bar. Just don't do that. Um, let, let the joint heal a little bit. The second thing you'd want to do is find some exercises or physical therapy that provides some relief, right? So in the case of the back, you know, there's so many different resources for fixing back pain, but the most common one that I found that helps most people is called the McKenzie back protocol. And it's an extension based back protocol because when people, when people get these bulging discs or annular tear stuff, usually it's because they spend a lot of time doing what you're all doing, what I'm doing right now, just like sitting and hunched over where the spine is in a little bit of flexion and that pushes the disc out toward the posterior side of the back and the ligaments on the inside of the spine become shortened and the ones that's on the outside become a little lengthened. So the disc basically ends up just popping out and getting out of position like a jelly donut. All that jelly gets pushed towards one side. Okay. Um, so doing these extension based exercises is a great way to reclaim the lumbar curve because the spine is like a shock absorber. So that S curvature is a very effective shock absorber, but when that S curvature starts to straighten out at the bottom, now all those, those lower discs start taking those compressive forces. Um, so those extension exercises are great. When people are acute, usually have them do that maybe seven times a day. That's it. It may be as simple as laying on your elbows or doing the press-ups with the holds, but that's what you kind of do for the acute phase. Then once you can train again, figure out some movements that allow you to avoid pain. So maybe if deadlifting is a trigger, that's fine. Maybe you're not deadlifting off the floor, but maybe it's something uh, like we're doing rack pulls and maybe instead of going heavy, it's lighter, or maybe it's just building up the musculature around the spine to make up for some type of, um, some type of pathology in the spine or in the discs, right? So it, it's a different process, but that's kind of the overview. Uh, so what, what I do for myself, for instance, is like, you know, I've got a bad back. I will very rarely like pull anything off the ground. I know that's a trigger. I just try to avoid it at all costs. What I'll do is I'll do like RDLs and I'll do it with lightweight. And sometimes I can build up heavier, but I'm always kind of listening to it. The press-ups are something that's just part of my daily routine. And I work on a lot of different bracing exercises as well as a lot of back exercises, even things that are great for like developing your lower lats that are great for aesthetics, right? Yeah, bent over rows, chest supported rows, all these things are great for the back without the compressive loading on the spine like you might have in say something like a back squat. Um, I don't back squat heavy, but I can leg press thousands of pounds because there's no compressive force on the back in a leg press. So, you know, maybe my back squatting looks like things that are a lot more 
uh, lower weight, higher rep, and slow tempos. So there's a lot of hypertrophic effect to get the muscles to grow, but I'm not doing the really heavy mechanical loading on the spine with it. I'm using other mechanisms to train the spine and the leg if I'm gonna do it that way. And then, you know, there are certain things where you can go heavy, like the leg press, you can go heavy. A belt squat, you can go heavy because you don't have that, those elements there. Um, and that's where I think like, you know, our stuff has a lot of utility for that because it's like the, bro the broken man's program. Like, I love hearing athletes that are like, dude, like I'm I, first time I'm doing this and I'm not, I don't feel hurt and I'm finally starting, my muscles are finally starting to grow or just that idea of like not feeling defeated because when you get injured, it, it just sucks. It's such a kick in the pants, um, takes the wind out of your sails and it kind of puts you in a thought process where you're like, well, I guess I'm getting older. I guess I can't do this. And I know for me, when I would get hurt, I would focus so much on the things that I couldn't do that I, I didn't even see all the things that I could do, right? I didn't even consider hypertrophy. I didn't even consider certain other movements. I was just like, well, if I can't squat clean and deadlift, how am I ever going to do CrossFit? You know, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm like, that's bullshit. You don't, you don't need to. Um, you can still meet your goals and have what you want. Um, and like I said, because I was surrounded with the people I was surrounded with, with games athletes and with seminar staff, their thinking is quite myopic. It's just CrossFit. That's it. That's the only thing, right? Games. That's the only thing. And, uh, it's hard to get out of that if that's what you're always surrounded by. You know, you're, you're the average of the one, two, three, four, five closest people around you, right? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So you, you're certainly passionate about your new programming. So where can we tell our listeners to, to, to access it? Would this be on your website? And is it through a subscription service or how do they access? So, you know, what we do now is, um, and I, I think we're going to continue this because it's really fun for me to connect with people. We do live workouts every day on YouTube um, at 10 a.m. Eastern. Okay. Uh, it's our Dumbbell Anarchy program. But like, you know, if somebody's interested and they're like, hey, I want to kind of see what this is about they can go through a workout with us using dumbbells only and start to explore the methods with like the tempos and the isometrics and the overload eccentrics and the drop sets and the half reps and all that stuff. Like we throw all that in there where people kind of just get a little bit of a taste of it. Um, and those live on there. Even if you don't make the live workout, they live on our YouTube channel where you can kind of see the archives. Our site is thunderbro.com. So it's, it's thunder with no E. So it's like thundr bro. Okay. And the reason why we did that is intentional because, you know, like what, what we say we're doing is like we're bridging the gap between bro science and real science. So we have a ton of content on there about physiology and the adaptation process and the said principle. Those are specific adaptations for imposed demand. And like, you know, all uh, we, we don't just say things, but we try to like um, we try to see what's inside the black box. I'm sure you guys heard the black box theory. CrossFit likes to throw this around a lot. Yeah. So like the black box theory is like, hey, we, we give you thrusters and burpees and there's a black box and we don't know exactly what's happening, but the result is you lose body fat and you can, uh, you know, you can do more work. Okay. Yeah. My thinking is that I want to know what's in that black box. And so we really look at the mechanisms in your body to help target training the right way to figure out exactly what you need and just understand the adaptations. Like if you're a trainer, there's no reason where you shouldn't really know the anatomy of a muscle fiber or the adaptations that take place. You know, it's only responsible to know what you're doing to somebody. Um, so like we, we really pride ourselves on the education and, and, and building knowledge on the physiology uh, part. And then you can clearly see all the things we talk about there clearly match up with the program. So we have some book programs, yeah. our 
popular programs, the Muscle Anarchy one. That's, I think it's the coolest one because I love doing it. Like that's my favorite one. And like I said, that's how I've always gotten clients is people want to train with me and do the, the programming I'm doing. So I think as a gym owner or a trainer, like it's a huge advantage to do your program because one, it builds credibility, right? Everyone's going to do it like one degree shittier. So like if you don't do the program, they're going to wonder why you're asking them to do it, you know? And, um, and it gives you a better knowledge of what you're giving people um, because by exposing yourself to it, you start to gain a really acute understanding of like, well, how much is too much and how much is not enough and how heavy should the weight be and how many reps should they aim for, like all that stuff. So I really recommend if you're a trainer out there, like do your own programming because um, it makes you a better coach and a better programmer. Absolutely. So on a more personal note, how did you and Cami meet? Um, we met in, uh, at Lake, well, we met a couple times. The first time I met her was at the games, um, in, I think it was 2010 and she had just done this workout, Amanda, um, Amanda, she's awesome. Um, and, uh, and anyways, no, the girl, Amanda, no, <laughs> Neil was awesome, but, but Amanda was really awesome. Uh, Amanda Miller. And, um, she had, you know, comes down the field into the, like the, uh, there's kind of like an underground area there. And she really like, I don't know why, like the first time I saw her, I was like, Oh my God, I went to my friend James and I'm like, man, I'd really love to date that girl. It's too bad. She's from like the Ukraine or whatever. And, uh, you know, cause she was just like smiling and beautiful. And she just had this like amazing aura about her that she looked like a princess. She just looked like a princess. And so I kind of saw her there. And then later in the year, we ended up um, competing on like the same team together. And this, uh, this was back when there really weren't many sponsors in CrossFit. There were just two equipment sponsors, Rogue and, and again, Faster, who was, used, they used to be like a middleman equipment distributor. And they, they had these two teams and they, they created this competition where they were going to have Team Rogue versus Team Again Faster, almost like the real world Road Rules Challenge. Yeah. Remember those? Like yeah. We had these cabins. And uh, you could, you, you know, it was like fitness in the woods and, um, and Dave was up there and he'd come up with these workouts and stuff. And you could do challenges where like, you could challenge like one other guy or you could challenge one guy and one girl or whatever combination you want. It could be two on two, three on three, four on four. It doesn't really matter. And you would kind of, you know, put together these challenges where you compete for, it's like a team competition. That actually turned into the Invitational. That's was like the first version of the Invitational was that Tahoe throwdown and yeah I met Cammy there and we like instantly connected and really I don't know if it's possible but I think we really just loved each other immediately and she lived in Canada and I lived in San Diego and you know when we went back I think we both realized that you know we we wanted to try to be together or, or change our lives at least so I moved to Boston and we in the first year like every weekend I would drive up to Montreal or she'd drive down to Boston and, um, you know, like it, it just happened really quick. Like we were living together within a few months and we were married within the year. And, um, you know, we, we, we just, you know, I think I've had so many, I had some girlfriends in the past and you have a girlfriend, you have relationships and you're like, yeah, they're cool. It's a relationship, but this was just markedly different where it was just really clear. I'm like, oh, this is the person I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with for sure. Yeah. So the only hard thing to, to figure out was how to do that. Not whether it was the right decision or not. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. So, uh, I have a, here's another question for you. So being a competitive athlete yourself, and I, you know, I know you then went on to go and coach Cammie and, and, and with some of her successes, did you 
did you get more nervous competing yourself or watching her compete? Um, I don't know. Like, I, you know, this is the thing about like the, the competition in her. Like, I'd already had a professional career before CrossFit, a professional yeah. sport before CrossFit. So CrossFit to me was just like this fun thing. But my goal with competing or uh, training or anything was just to to develop professionally or for have it to have it benefit me professionally. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this so that I have credibility so people are interested in what I have to say so I can give them good information. Um, so it, it wasn't because I was like, I want to be the fittest man on earth. Like, no, I just, I just want to show that I can hang with anybody and, and you know, I'm, I'm a really good athlete and a good coach. Um, so it was a little different for me. For her, I learned through my sports experience that when you do uh, – you know, pursue a, a grand venture, like I want to be a major league baseball player, or I want to be a world champion, it, it takes like a village. And it's a tremendous sacrifice personally, like when I was a baseball player, I would have been a terrible boyfriend. Because all I was interested in was baseball, and everything else came second. And so, you know, having had that experience, I understood what Cammy needed to do and how we would balance that, you know, and, and, and she was super cool. Like we would spend eight hours in the gym and I would train her. And sometimes I wouldn't get much attention, but like every week she would give me a David day where she would take me to the San Diego zoo and buy me ice cream. And I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Cause I get it. <laughs> a lot of husbands or wives don't get that. Um, because it's like your, your window in your athletic career is so small. Um, and the last thing you want to do, if you have the talent and the motivation to pursue it, is to look back and say, oh, I could have done this or I could have done that or I wish I would have gone in because then you just get resentful for all the people that, that pushed you out of that. And everyone will give you resistance when you do that. Everyone will be like, why are you doing this? Are you sure it's a good idea? Like we even got that from my parents. They're like, are you sure you guys want to travel around the country just bringing Cammy to these coaches? And until she won, they, they, they didn't get it. And when she won, she was like, that was really smart. Good work. You know? <laughs> But, but it's the pursuit, like when you understand that grand pursuit, I think it, it's a lot easier to, um, to be on board with that as opposed to somebody who maybe has never experienced that before. It can be a really tough pill to swallow. Sure, certainly. Well, we don't want to take any more of your time. You've been awesome to, to spend this much time with us. Yeah. Uh, and we definitely learned a lot. Uh, you, you uh, I think I said on an Instagram post, you are wicked smart, man. Oh, uh, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Like, I think good, good coaches are, are probably lifetime learners. Um, you know, and like, uh, now I'm learning a lot about business and I think, um, I'm, I'm learning a lot about, um, how to appropriately deliver new information to coaches that are resistant to it. Um, because that, that was kind of like exactly where CrossFit started. Like everyone was very resistant to CrossFit when it came on the scene. I mean, the old level ones used to be like a battleground, and, um, and obviously they were able to break that. So I'm trying to figure out the right way to just, you know, not impose my views on people, but just show them different, you know, different paths. Well, with this next path that you're going down, if you ever need any advice or expertise, you can come yeah. call, call we on do. us. <laughs> That's actually my background. My background uh, besides CrossFit is our early childhood education and development. So. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> It's been an adventure because um, we we came down here and uh, we're obviously not where our, our obstetrician was like back in Colorado and 
we tried to find um, an obstetrician down here and we called around and no one would even take Camille. And then we found a doctor to take Camille and we walked into the office. And before we walked in, I noticed there was a lady like walking in with a face mask. And, uh, and then a nurse came out of these sliding glass doors wearing like a full on biohazard suit. I said, yeah. it looks like Doc Brown, like coming out of a DeLorean with his nuclear suit. Yeah. And, uh, and she comes up with a clipboard and she's like, hey, are you guys sick? And we're like, no. And she goes, oh, well, you should leave then. So we now have to drive like 90 minutes to Naples, Florida, just to take Cammie to her obstetrician appointments that I can't even go in to see. Yeah. And, and, um, and like, I, I don't know, it's, it's been an adventure. We don't know, we we're supposed to know the sex of the baby a long time ago. We don't even know it because she's so behind on blood work and testing. Yeah. Well, we're just trying to uh, catch up right now. But hopefully everything is super good and solid and we pray every day that we're going to be good parents and that we get a healthy baby. Yeah. Well, be well. And thanks so much for talking with us. Yeah. Thank you guys. And just to remind our listeners, they can check you out every morning at 10 AM on yeah. YouTube uh, to see what kind of workouts uh, you, you're doing. And if they're interested in that, they can go to thunderbros.com uh, and check out your website. Yeah, totally. So like it's the Thunderbro YouTube, thunderbro.com. I'm at Dave freaking Lipson and, you know, if anybody has questions or anything, like we're, we're really good. Like we pride ourselves on, on like on under, under promising and over delivering. So like, we're really good at customer service. If you send us a DM, we get back to you. We try to answer every single question or, or comment, even if it's just a, a question about like, Hey, what, what should I eat or what should I train? Like we really try to just give as much as we can. So yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. Hey, no problem. And uh, Dave freaking Lipson is one of the best Instagram handles ever. Ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I got that one. That would be so mad if I had to be Dave freaking Lipson one. That would have been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking the time out. We really appreciate it. All right. And, uh, good luck to you and Cammie with the baby and uh, have a great weekend. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye, Dave. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. So that was a really interesting uh, interview with Dave. You know, he really got into the details of hytropathy and how that can really help build your tendons and ligaments. Uh, and kind of stave off some injury uh, just by doing slow progressions through that. Um, he's just a, a really smart dude. Um, and he smart. talks at a level that like, I'm tr I really have to focus to kind of pay attention, but man, he, he really is smart. And I think we'll put the links to his books on, on the, at the end of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it to his website yeah. and then everything's listed there. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. That was fun. Um, so, um, we talked last week about, uh, mayhem doing their own team competition. And I wanted to kind of expand on that because they released the details of that competition this week. And I think that, you know, we kind of talked about, is it possible that a third party could kind of take over what the team competition or the age group competition may look like from CrossFit? And I think with this step of what Rich is doing with um, the Mayhem Madness, I think this is the first step of them taking over the team competition. They are able to do things that CrossFit can't do. Mm -hmm. uh, one, they have, a, they have a very deep knowledge of team competitions and what they should look like. And so what they're doing is they are, they, it is a six day event, six days of competition eight days that it's going to take place over. 
And the first two days, there will, there will be 12 teams. They will take a rest day. And then they will go to eight teams for two days. Then they'll take a rest day and they'll go to four teams for the, the final two days. They are not going to have a heat bigger than four teams per heat, so four lanes. So it'll be easier to see the people on the floor. And I think the coolest concept of this is in, in a way to show that they're not going to be biased in the programming, they're taking all old regional and games workouts. If the weights were too low for today's athlete, they're going to up them to what they should be today, but not really change them all that much. They will all be posted what's available. And then through the online competition, you will earn a seating. So even if you've already qualified through a sanctional to get a seating for this event, you need to do the online qualifier. Number one seed gets the first pick of the workout that they want to see in the competition and they get to place it on the schedule where they think it best benefits them. Mm. Dang. And so on. Mayhem Independence and Mayhem Freedom are not participating in the picking of the workout. Okay. To show that it's not, they're not biased or anything like that. So thoughts. So does that mean that a team could pick a workout for like day four and then maybe even not even make it to day four? To that do the that does mean day? that. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. This is a lot of strategy, a lot of strategy mm -hmm. in here. A lot of gameplay. A lot cool. of. Well, and do you pick your workout and put it like the workout before the cut? Right. Do, do you pick it in, at first to get out to a lead? You know, do you or think- Are you picking a workout that's maybe- not necessarily your wheelhouse, but something that's going to screw up somebody else, right? right? Like if you're two points behind another team and you know that, you know, something is their goat, you do pick that and have them, you know, maybe falter and get you guys ahead. Yeah, there's tons of ways to carve it. So I think, I think there's six to eight workouts per two-day block. Ooh. So the, the draft will go to 15, and then the rest of the workouts, they're going to put online for the fans to vote Ooh. where to put. Yeah, and to your point, this is not something that the CrossFit Games in Madison over the course of three days could ever possibly do, right? They couldn't pivot that quickly in terms of what events they were going to be. And they're, you know, they're way too produced ahead of time and everything else that there's too many judges to brief and everything else. This way, if you only have four teams competing, you're only, you only really need four judges, right? Yeah. So that could be really easy to manage. Eight at most if you need two judges on the right. lane. Right. And, but, and from a person who worked the games, the transitions between events would be impossible to do this at the games. Yeah, along with individuals and age groups and all that. Like it would, yeah. No, I think it's awesome. So mayhem taking over this, does that mean mayhem done with their sanctionals? So no, I, I don't believe so. I think that they can do both okay. and that it's going to be a moneymaker for them. Um, the other thing that I need to add in here is Rich did get the blessing of CrossFit HQ and this team competition is sanctioned. It's not a sanctional, okay. but they are, they are sanctioning this as in a CrossFit event. Okay. 
and they're in talks of actually awarding the affiliate cup yeah at the end of this yeah so this is exactly what you were talking about amy like it yeah. being the thing yeah just make it known if it's going to be the yeah. thing just know it yeah so it starts on sunday the last day of the games for individuals okay and then we'll run the week after so for us crossfit geeks that's amazing we get an individual competition running into a team competition so like a week and a half of straight crossfit fun yeah and some rest days to spend some time with our family yeah get some work done you know <laughs> well just so that yeah i think we spend time with our family so that it will be okay when we go back and binge watch the whole next day right right yeah yeah so I'm really excited about that. I think the format is awesome. I think Rich has really done a good job of kind of thinking this out from a fan's perspective. So will there be spectators? Like what's, what's the deal so there? They, they are holding off on announcing anything about spectators till they see what Tennessee looks like at that okay. time. So he said on Talking Elite Fitness that they're looking at early July to kind of make a decision as to what they're gonna do with spectators. But they're so open to having spectators. They just want to make sure that everything conforms uh, and allows that to happen. Awesome. They, they don't want to sell tickets and then have to turn around and take them back. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on to another big news item, and that is uh, the Gillette sponsorship for many of the Rogue Invitational male athletes. Uh, and it actually starts this weekend through the Rogue Invitational. Uh, they signed uh, Matt Frazier, Patrick Vellner, Cole Sager, Jacob Hepner, Chandler Smith, Noah Olson, Travis Mayer, and Saxon Pancheck. That's awesome. That is a, that's a major uh, industry that is signing a deal with CrossFit athletes, and not just one of them, but several yeah. of them. Uh, it's a great way for them to make money and become professional athletes. Yeah, and it's a great way to highlight or to introduce other people who may not be a, so aware of CrossFit. Right, it's the first like mainstream brand that I can think of, you know, that's not necessarily sports related, right? Everybody wears deodorant, hopefully. So, you know, Chipotle kind of jumped in on the, the Matt and Tia mm -hmm. thing yeah. by naming burritos after them, their favorite burritos. And that, that they've hung on to that through uh, the COVID piece yeah. and are using that as a fundraiser. So Chipotle was kind of number one, but they stuck with just a small group. This one is, this one's massive. Mm -hmm. awesome. uh, and really kind of spreads out the wealth amongst a lot of the top end athletes. You know, so, you know, Rogue brings in the top, what, 15 athletes from the games. So look what that means to finish in the top 15 at the games. Now you're starting to get included in these types of ads uh, to help support yourself. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. And I use that product, so I guess. <laughs> so you're going to be top 15 at the games. <laughs> Is that what I mean? So, so if they want a podcast to sponsor, there you go. You know, I do use the Gillette Cool Gel uh, for my deodorant. So there we go. Hashtag Gillette. <laughs> Not that we're uh, pimping ourselves out there, but we are. <laughs> All right, so we're to that point in the week where Amy's always prepared, and that is our favorite thing from the internet. My favorite thing on the internet has been the Reese's 
battle between that we started with our former guest Dex and uh, Chandler Smith. So they've been going back and forth and then other people have been included and in tagging us and tagging Dex on uh, the appropriate Reese's cup snacks. Are we, are we count or what? Like, are we winning? Are we losing? Oh, I, I mean, it depends on whose poll you look at, but um, we would say Dex wins. But maybe if Chandler came on here, maybe we could tell him that he wins. I don't know. He hasn't. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the polls that I have that I did, and that Dex did, cups won. Chandler has a poll that shows that t the fast break wins, oh, but yeah. Dex claims that it was photoshopped. Okay, I love it. I never thought that an interview on our show would create this online battle for what is the best Reese's cup, but a Re cool. Reese's treat. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So mine's a little more serious. Um, okay. It's still around training though. Um, so gymnastics, right? That's my, that's my go-to thing that I kind of suck at and that I'm working on, but there's a Instagram video of Matt Healy. You guys know Matt Healy? He is a level three coach. Oh no, wait, that's my, that's my profile on Instagram. <laughs> Where is he? Uh, he's the owner of DDW Fitness, um, the athletic blueprint. I don't know if you've heard of that, but um, I want to say, I know he's friends with uh, Khan, our buddy Khan. And that's, I think how I started following him, but I've been following him for years. Anyway, he has this video. He's looks like he's in his garage or his bedroom or something on a pull-up bar and he's doing a strict muscle up from an L-sit position, like multiple times. Now he doesn't get into like full lockout over the bar, which is not the hard part of this anyway, but he's literally going up and down, like almost doing a strict muscle up in an L-sit and then like a very slow negative down like three or four times. That's amazing. I just thought it was really impressive. So Matt Healy, that's H-E-A-L-E-Y. Um, and we'll link his Instagram down there, but I thought that was pretty cool. And the best thing is we had now have another blooper for our reel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was so funny. I'm like, wait, no, that's me. <laughs> oh, that's an I, It's great to see you're stalking yourself on Instagram. My fingers. All right. So my, so I'm going to start mine off with one of the worst things on the internet this week. Ooh. And that is that um, Tommy and Sean did their podium picks for best breakfast cereal. Their taste in cereal is awful. Oh. Awful. Let's hear it. Cinnamon oh. Check. I thought Cinnamon Checks was a good so solid pick. And that was a that actually didn't make the list. I think that was on Tommy's runner up list. But yeah, that would have been my, mention. That would have been my pick. Cinnamon Checks. Go ahead. So Cinnamon Life is my favorite of all time. Totally. I could totally get down with that. Well, it was not on any of the lists. But the thing that offended me the most oh. is that Sean Woodland said that. Wheaties was the best cereal of all time. That stuff is god awful. Yeah, it's not tasty at all. The only reason you would even buy it is because your favorite team is on the box. The only reason they have good advertising. Yes, <laughs> but the actual cereal is like it cuts the roof of your mouth. It's like a nasty cornflake. If I want a cornflake, I'll eat a cornflake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not a wheat flake. <laughs> right. <laughs> the only thing worse, I think, is um, shredded wheat. <laughs> Yeah. Which is True. It like tastes like a Brillo pad. I don't even know how anyone. Okay. I'm going to add to that though. There was this one cereal. I can't find it anymore, but it was even called shreds and it was, it was like <laughs> shredded Wheaties. 
but it had peanut butter and chocolate on it. And it was like eating ice cream in the bowl. It was fantastic. It was really good. So my second favorite cereal is peanut butter crunch. Okay. And it didn't make it either. Mm. They had crunch berries, the worst of the captain cereals. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, anyway. So I just had to like, at least get that off my chest. Cause that was awful. Uh, the other, so my best thing from the internet was uh, yesterday's edition of the Buttery Bros. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing Murph, and then doing the weight gain challenge awesome. for ten hours, and combined gained eighteen pounds in ten hours. I was so uncomfortable. I was I was in bed last night watching that, and my belly ached just watching them eat all that stuff. It was crazy. But see the the. I wanted would want to see what they would weigh the next day. Because, oh yeah, they'd be back to they'd right. probably yeah. half because of it, more than half. It's not an actual pound that they're really gaining because that would be one pound is thirty five hundred calories. There's no way they could consume that many amount of calories to maintain. Was, they gained whatever the contents of their belly was. Right. That's right. all. Yeah. Well, it just looked like my thirties. So <laughs> when I had gotten up to five hundred pounds, so it didn't really look different to me but yeah and then the last thing i want to finish up with is um what was really cool to see and i don't know if you saw this but um joe rogan i was i was tuning into him because he was reacting to the mike tyson news and he was very conflicted back and forth as to whether he had a realistic shot at coming back or not and every time he wanted to like check himself he was like but that video oh my goodness you know like just back and forth which i thought was funny but the big news is he signed a deal, an exclusive deal with Spotify yeah. for $100 million. $100 million. <laughs> As a podcaster, that looked really cool to me. That's yeah. cool. So got some goals, guys. <laughs> Get on it. It's all right. Well, we didn't, we didn't talk about um, our training week. And I don't know, let's talk about, since this is going to air the day after Memorial Day, right? What are your, what are your Murph plans? Do you have Murph plans? I'm doing it on Monday. With a vest, without a vest? With a vest, but we have to do a little bit of uh, field repair because I, um, I broke part of the clasp on mine. I was training with my vest and I came in from around and I threw it down and then the weight plates just smacked the clasp off. Um, and so I ordered a repair kit. Um, I'm not sure if it will work exactly right, but my husband's going to help do something so I can fix it. Okay. And you've done Murph with a weight vest before, right? Yeah. This, yeah last year's my first time doing it with a vest, but like my goal and it's, um, I kind of got this goal from just talking with our owner of the gym. His goal was, you know, he never wanted to wear a vest until he got to under 40 minutes doing Murph the regular way. Well, I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good goal. So the same year he got it, my time was 40.03. Oh, and I was like, that's close <laughs> enough. So I wore a vest last year. So I'll wear one. This are, you, are you going to break it up or go straight through? Oh, I, I break it up. I do uh, Cindy for sure. Okay. I'm going to probably do half Murph again. Yeah. Um, I probably won't wear a vest. So, and that's the plan for Monday. Yeah. And I'm going to bring Murph with me and he has his own vest. Will he run with you? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Murph the dog, we're talking about anybody. Murph the dog will run with me to do Murph. Yep. Cool. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Happy Memorial so, Day. <laughs> um, last year, I was injured going into Murph, and I did the full Murph with a an assault bike instead of a run. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no vest. I've got plenty you, of that. What, the, what are the calories for a mile on a assault bike? I did a hundred each way. Ooh, nice. Okay. And I crushed the front end of that. Uh, when I got on that thing for the last hundred, it felt like it took me six hours. Well, that's what it feels like the last mile of the run. So that's adequate. Um, and I did, I did it full and then I couldn't, I was devastated for a week. I think it would be not smart of me to do a full version of that this year. So, uh, plus I have the cast back on my legs. Yay. Right. Uh, so I'll probably do a version of it, uh, modified and reduced. Yeah. Um, I, did a, I had a client today who did, um, I won't see her on Monday and she did like, she ran a 400, did five rounds of Cindy, ran a 400, did five rounds of Cindy and then ran a 400. We called it a day. Yeah. Essentially a half Murph. So yeah, a little less, but. Yeah. Cool. I'll probably, well, I'll probably do something with the bike again because I can mm-hmm. do that with the casts and I can air squat. I can push up and I can, I'll probably do ring rows cause I haven't done any pull-ups in since the quarantine. Mm-hmm. I'm toying around with the idea of doing the, is it two, three, four, or two, three, four, five, whatever the one is where you, you break up the push, see push-ups are my big thing. Like push-ups are the thing that I can't always do unbroken. And I would love to be able to go through it and be able to do all of my push-ups unbroken. I'm trying to figure out maybe if I do like five push-ups, five Five, five, five. Pull-ups, five push-ups, five air squats, or 15 air squats or something like that. But there's another way. I think it's like 30 rounds of whatever that math is. Um, and the numbers just get real small. Mm-hmm. Or like 50 rounds of one, two, three, even. Isn't that a thing? Yeah, like Arm and Hammer has like... Yeah, I saw that. I, is, is it the one, two, three? I think like... I think it's one, two, three. It must be one, yeah. two, three, 50 rounds, right? That would be 100, 200, 300. No. No, it'd be 100 rounds. Two. Yeah, it'd be 100 rounds. Two, three, four. Two, three, four. One, two, three. Math is not my thing. Um, it would have to be two, four, s- two, four, six. Six. But you have, but your transitions have to be. It, that becomes like a cardio workout, right? Like you can't yeah. dilly dally on the. Yeah, your push up becomes a burpee. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I'd rather do 100 burpees than run a mile. Nope. Really wouldn't want to do either of those. <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll have something to talk about next time, but hopefully everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend and remembered why we do it and was smart about yeah. it. Yeah. And if you want to comment about what, how your Murph went or how you broke it up or how you did it, go ahead and leave that comment below. Uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, hit that notifier so you know when we have a new podcast coming out. And we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Bye. See ya. Thank you so much for joining us on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube now and all major podcast platforms. That's iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, We're available on all those. And please hit that subscribe button on whatever you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week. 
on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends.